Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Checked Out. I'm Alexa, and joining me today, we have got Brian. Hello, everyone. And we've got Bree. Hi. And you guys are both here at Northside. That's right. Um, and so today, we are going to chat about YA, so young adult reads. Um, it is one of my favorite genres to read in. I know, Bree, you yeah. really like YA as well. Brian, a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm not <laughs> as well caught up as, as I should be. Sure. But, I mean... That's the whole point of a podcast, right? That's reading outside exactly of our the comfort point zones. of the podcast. Yeah. That's, right. and that's what we're reading here this month at, uh, at Northside. Right. It's YA, YA fiction. Yeah, we've missed a few episodes, I know. We've, we've had a little bit of a hiatus, um, so we got a little off track with our Northside reads, uh, but we're back on. So I think it was YA, um, it's one of the really great options when it comes to, like we've discussed before, that... Whatever it is you like, you can find something that's similar to that, even when you stretch yourself outside of your comfort zone. If mm. you like, because I mean, I know you like horror. Right. And there is a bunch of great YA horror that is overlooked all the time. So you're going to find something that you like and maybe something that's going to be your new favorite. Yeah, we, I, we found that out this month. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we were talking before we started recording. I feel like most of the reads that we've, we're going to be chatting about today are a little on like the spooky side, which. They are legitimately creepy. Kind yeah. of thematically appropriate. It's fall. We're coming up on October. Um, so. So what do we want to start with? Maybe we'll just jump right in with one that we've all got in common um, and chat about Every Heart a Doorway by Shana McGuire. Um, I will say this is not shelved in YA um, within the library. We do have it cataloged in the adult section. Is that right? It's true, yeah. She's an adult Um, author. She has several other series that she writes. Yes. Um, So so her Every Heart a Doorway series we do have cataloged in the adult section. and that's just kind of one of the things about YA. I mean, there are some discrepancies. We don't have a new adult section in the library. Um, so titles like Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell, um, yeah. we put in teen, even though it's technically right, not right. a YA book. It is it is new adult. It's about 20-year-olds. Well, especially um, with fantasy, I feel like it's sometimes really hard to delineate between where yeah. that line is mm-hmm. because I think fantasy suffers from sort of the same thing that YA does where it's kind of regarded as being outside of like the larger literary genre. Mm-hmm. And so when you get into those elements, it's like, oh, where do we draw that line? Yeah. Cataloging is subjective. It's all just <laughs> oh, down sure, to judgment sure. calls. Um, sometimes so. it comes, you just toss a book and yeah. it's like, it lands face up. Yeah. Right. We'll it's, and sometimes it comes down to which budget it was purchased with. Sure. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, can be infuriating and uh, interesting at the bare minimum about librarianship is how, yeah. how things end up where. Yeah, it's judgment calls at the, at the right. end of the day. Well, times, especially like when it comes to like J into teen fiction, you, and you start with these series that are written for a younger audience and then grow and mature mm-hmm. as the audience matures. Sure. And so like when it comes to things like um, Rick Riordan, um, like the Percy Jackson and his series or like Harry Potter, yeah. probably most famously, right. you know, when you read The Sorcerer's Stone and then you look at, um, I can't I remember Deadly the last Alice. Harry Potter book, thank you. Um, those are such a huge gap yeah. between the maturity level of right. that topic. So like, I mean, if you were going to technically classify them, like if you were just to look at those separately, you might put one in J and one in teen or even adult, mm-hmm. but series you got put together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Every Heart of Dory by Shannon McGuire. Um, it is technically cataloged here in adult, um, but the protagonist of the book, Nancy, is a teen. All of the protagonists, more Absolutely. or less, are teens in the book. Yeah. Um, and so the the concept of this book we were discussing, I think it's, it's such a brilliant idea. Um, so in the vein of, say, an Alice in Wonderland, a Wendy Darling, um, this book is about kids who find doorways or entrances or ways to go into a different world and then for whatever reason they find themselves back in the real world and they're weird now yeah. <laughs> so pretty much I think the first time I like that's a concept that has intrigued me since I was a it's kid wonderful. and I think the first time I ever got into that was sort of like with the Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. and because there's that because they do they yeah. like they go back and forth and eventually some of them get like shut out forever and mm-hmm. so to me it was always like well how do you come back from that like what happens to Susan and Peter when they I know like like, you're just like okay well you had these grand adventures they've changed you fundamentally and now we're just going to put you back here and you're going to cope with that and it's like how do they do that and that's what the book talks about yeah yeah. And isn't that isn't that the, a perfect theme for young adults too? When I you absolutely have, agree. You have you have someone you have uh, people moving from their 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 early their early childhood mm-hmm. into a much more structured world. I mean, it makes it, it it the theme hits things perfectly right on the head. Yeah, it's a nail. I right think on it's the a head. real YA read for YA readers as yeah. well for that reason mm-hmm. because. 
you know, you read these books and you get so immersed in them and you're in this world and it's like, oh, I got to go to my job now. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I think it's for us just as much as it is for these kids that we've been reading about. Yeah. It's it's a really quick read. It's short. Um, she gets right to the point. It's really fast paced. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a mystery um, because Nancy gets to the school and she's meeting all of her roommate and her, her different classmates. Um, and then it is it does ultimately end up being a murder mystery. Yeah. Um, so... As always, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Um, I was going to ask it. I was like, no, how much can we say? This is this is never spoiler-free. We do discuss the endings of the book, so if you're interested in not having every harder doorway ruined for you, go read it real quick, come back. It won't then, take you long. It's very short. It's real yeah. short. Yeah, you can you can do it in one sitting. Um, it's, it's a really quick one. Um, and I will say as well... Um, she has multiple sequels to this book. Um, so, I was going to ask. Yes. Okay. She does Jack and Jill's story next. Oh, and it's okay. wonderful. If So if you liked Jack and Jill as characters, right. um, uh, the book is called Down Among the Sticks and Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the really story. It's, it's a prequel. It's the story of them whenever they found their door. Um, so yeah. Uh, so quick preface, not spoiler free. We're going to be chatting about the end of every, every Heart of Doorway. So, so yeah, it is a murder mystery. Um, Nancy's roommate um, ends up murdered. Um, and Which is then, so sad. She's such a fun character. She's delightful. And I was so excited about her, and then it was like she's gone. Right. Yeah, no. she's she's a she's Man. a delight. She went to there are different types of worlds. So there are logical worlds. There are nonsense worlds. Um, and Nancy was from a very high logic world. Um, she was in kind of a, a version of, of death of the afterlife where she she was, was like a, a statue. She was a statue. Mm-hmm. Her job was in to a garden stand there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then her roommate was from a candy nonsense world where every nothing made sense and everything was candy. Very, and it was, very high wonderland. Yes. So yeah. they were very cute together. Um, and then her roommate ends up uh, um, murdered um, and so yeah the this the story is kind of Nancy trying to reintegrate herself into society ultimately her goal is to find her door again that's, that's pretty much everyone's goal I feel like yeah that's the thing is like you want to find your door yeah, and get back it's it's like and because the school is run by someone who herself mm-hmm. is an aged child who had these adventures and mm-hmm. is now a grown woman um, there's this sort of like she wants these kids she understands that they want to find their doors and she wants them to find their doors and get back to where they were but she's also trying to like give them a place where if they don't find their doors they'll be okay yeah yeah it, it really is kind of a metaphor for, for growing up in yeah. a way it's just like you yep. you have all these wonderful adventures and then you gotta learn how to live in society <laughs> Um, if you can't get back to that childhood wonderland. Yeah. There are some really interesting topics that are, are tackled. I really enjoy, there's a, a trans character. Yeah. Right. And the whole thing is that he, because there's, there's different reasons why people lose their doors or stumble out of their doors or, or get sent away mm-hmm. in the purpose of, they're told of eventually coming back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but his is one of the cases where he actually does get sent away from his world. Yeah, and they kicked him out. Specifically because he's trans, yeah. because they wanted him to fulfill one role, and he was in a high-logic world, and because he was trans, they were like, well, this isn't what you're supposed to be, and they, they sent him away. And he's such a wonderful character. He is. I really I love, love him. him so much. Yeah, he's delightful. That's, I, I think that all of the characters in her books, um, and we were talking, there are some sequels, so there's um, Down Among the Sticks and Bones, which is the twins, Jack and Jill. They came from a high logic. Jack was my favorite. Jack's Jack was my favorite from the beginning. I was so <laughs> yeah. excited that she was the focus. So Jack Jack was an apprentice to a mad scientist, and Jill was uh, she was like kind okay, of an apprentice. She was like, to me, Jill in my head, she looked like um, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, in, she's um, Claudia. Uh, yeah, she is. She's, she's Claudia, Claudia from Interview, Interview with the Vampire. Vampire. Yeah. She's she hung out with a vampire. Princess dresses and yeah. terrifying. Oh, I can see that now. Yeah, right? That's yeah. perfect. So, yeah, so, so Jack and Jill came from a very terrifying, like horrible, like castles on the moors, werewolves, Dracula, Frankenstein. That's That was Jack and Jill's world. Um, and so they are twins who um, befriend Nancy in, in the book. And then and the third book in the series so far um, is uh, Below, Below a Sugar Sky, I believe is the title. And it's um, it goes into the candy nonsense world of Nancy's roommate. Um, Nancy's roommate's daughter oh. uh, falls from the sky and, need, and finds out that her mother is dead. And she's like, well, that doesn't make sense because here I am. And she never had a child. And so it's the story of them trying to get her mother back. Nancy's murdered roommate. Very interesting. It's wonderful. Um, the the third one wasn't my favorite, um, but if you enjoy the characters and if you like the series, um, definitely give it a, give it a check out. I think it's really impressive, especially considering how short and zippy mm-hmm. these books are, that she manages to introduce so many characters yeah. and really make you like so many of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's lots of cameos. Um, Nancy comes back in the third one, which is kind of fun. You get to see Nancy again. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really it's there. It's a fun series. It's dark, uh, which I think probably 
contributed some to being shelved in the adult mm-hmm. in the adult side of the of the branch. Um, but but it's fun and it's a great metaphor, as you said, for for YA just in general. Yeah. I also I like things that that sort of play around with the idea of like that there are different kinds of worlds and that there are um, you know the, the idea that you know this weird Dracula Frankenstein world that's not really anybody's idea of like a magical Narnia world that like they who would, would feel at home there? there and would want to stumble <laughs> yeah. into but the idea is that you know these are people who found places where they belong. Yeah. Yeah, Jack yeah. really loved her her Frankenstein yeah. <laughs> friend who taught her all about yeah. science and yeah, she loved it there. And the themes of uh of of gender uh, of mm-hmm. it, it just they absolutely fit in that book. Um the the notion of the mutability of the of the characters' worlds kind of playing into the mutability of their of their own identities. I thought that was And again, really fantastic. a good metaphor for growing up because yeah. a lot of this is not necessarily also the fact that the kids themselves can't cope. It's the kids' families that can't cope, right, you right. know? And so it's this idea of coming into your own and finding a place where you feel like you fit and you belong and the people around you not necessarily being able to understand or accept that. Right. Yeah. That is how all of the kids end up at, um, what is the name of the school? It's uh, Eleanor West's Home for Wayward Children. Yeah. Um, all of the kids end up there because they inevitably come back from these these journeys to these fantastical worlds and their parents are just like, well, now what do I do with you? You're Who so weird you? now. Like, uh, Go yeah. to this boarding school, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's kind of... They're all here and they're together because fundamentally their parents are just, they don't know what to do with them because they're growing up and they've had these different adventures and they're different now. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I thought that the author treated the care, treated these, their individual identities were, were, uh, were distinct. I, we were talking before the podcast about how, I was going to check, is so the so the outsiders that came out in 1969. I'm I'll do right? a quick Google. Almost, you keep, keep continuing. Your I'm thought, almost 100 percent <laughs> sure that uh, the outsiders, S. E. Hinton, which I I think uh, is considered sort of the 1967 first. 1967. 1967. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's when my mom was born. Okay. So <laughs> over 50 years ago now. Mm-hmm. But when I was when I was a young adult and I was reading YA fiction. It was really sort of just starting to come into its own only 15 years or so after that book had, I guess maybe getting closer to 20 years after mm-hmm. that book had come out. Yeah. But that's 50 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, the, I, just, I just felt like the, uh, the author just had a, a mature view on, on, on sexuality and identity that's that true, was... Nancy is an asexual character. She's asexual, right. She is, yeah. Which... And, you know, so you have a trans character, you have an asexual mm-hmm. character, um, and I know that again we've already we talked about this before the podcast, but it bears reiterating. Um, is I see so much of that in YA, and it's one of the reasons yeah. that I, as a, a queer individual, like it's I love reading YA because I see characters that I can relate to and and that I feel are like me more in YA than I do see in adult fiction. There's just so much representation that I think that is. I mean, obviously, there's always room to be better and always room to grow, but I think YA is sort of at the forefront of, of being more inclusive with mm-hmm. different identities. And you said that the author has a is a, has a has a good social media presence. Yes, and, um, and I, I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but Shannon McGuire. That's, that's I what I say. Mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, um, she has a social media pre- presence um, and has been open about you know um, her origins as a fan fiction writer and um, with her desire to have that inclusive environment and the reason why she actively chooses to try and include you know different representations of people in her mm-hmm. stories um, so I know that she's someone that a lot of young readers really appreciate and look up to yeah. I think that that's so great that more fan fiction writers who people who got their start as fan fiction writers mm-hmm. are becoming like more well known and like I mean Naomi Novik who oh, wrote Uprooted gosh um, that's such a good book she created AO3 like she created one of the most popular fan fiction websites ever well and now AO3 um, as a, a transformative work yeah. has won a, a Hugo award it did which Naomi so, Novik accepted right, Hugo, right. it was and so, so like, wonderful all these different people who have like they can now say they're you know they contributed to a Hugo award winning project yeah oh absolutely yeah and I think that I think that the fan fiction community is so good at 
inclusivity and tapping into all of these. I think that's because a lot of the root of fan fiction, yeah. like the start of it, especially when they're when you were writing for things that maybe were not as inclusive, yeah. the source material, you have to it's the it desire to see yourself. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like, and it's, you know, it's the subtext, and it's, you know, what if this person was like me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, a lot of it, I think, is, is that urge, and it grows from there. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's really cool. I, I love seeing fan fiction authors mm-hmm. um, get recognized. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was so, gr- so great seeing Naomi Novik, except that you go for AO3. So fun. <laughs> All right. That's such a good series, too. It's wonderful. Wonderful. I'm I'm jotting notes. I'm telling you, yeah. I'm jotting notes. Yeah, yeah. Naomi <laughs> Read I loved Spinning Silver, which is the, the sequel. Um, they're both sort of mm, a little magical realism, sort of like fairy tale retelling. Well, they're they're both standalone novels. Yeah, though. they don't they don't have anything to do with yeah, each other. No. Like, yeah, Spinning Silver came after Uprooted. Um, Uprooted, which I've talked about on this podcast multiple times, it's phenomenal. It's My favorite so book of the year when it came out. Um, if you like Howl's Moving Castle. You would love Uprooted. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's very similar Definitely. to Howl's Moving Castle. It's very grumpy wizard gets young girl pretend, like apprentice, basically. It's great. Really, really wonderful. She's the best world builder I think I've ever read, Naomi Novik. She's a really, really great world builder. Very talented, um, because there were a lot of Russian and Polish words in that book that I would have trouble pronouncing, and I didn't care. <laughs> I was along for the ride. I was like, this is great. Agnieszka, got it. Totally on board with that name. Very hard to say. All right, um, so let's chat. Since we we started with our spooky, our probably our, our scariest one. I don't know. Do you want to jump into Thornhill? I know that this is one that you haven't read, Bree, but but let's talk about it because it yeah, looks really absolutely. really cool. I think it's cool. Yeah, and this is <laughs> I think it's really funny also that we're starting with two that are not cataloged in the teen section here in the library. <laughs> Thornhill is technically cataloged as J, mm-hmm. um, but but I. I don't know. It's another one of those judgment calls. Well, it's, right. it's very teen yeah. teen material. I don't think that you would feel out of place as a teen reading this. <laughs> I know that Brian and I are both, like, huge comic and uh, graphic novel mm. fans. Right. Um, and you dabble in that yourself. I do, a little bit. Um, and one of the things I'm noticing just looking at this is that um, I know one of the... Um, some of the art that you and I have talked about, Mike Mignola being one of the big mm-hmm. ones. This is very Mike Mignola it looking is, at from it the cover. Is. Um, he's one of the probably best known for his Hellboy work. Mm. And yeah, it's very stylized stuff. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's all black and white, um, and it is told in alternating chapters. So the text chapters are told via diary entries, and it is set um, in the past of this young girl who is being bullied, and she lives at this orphanage, um, and she has just recently discovered that the orphanage is going to be closed down soon, and so she is concerned about where she will she will go. Um, and then in the alternating chapters, uh, those are told in the present only in pictures, in black and white drawings, um, and it is from the point of view of a young girl who has moved recently moved into the house that is next door to the the to the abandoned orphanage. A young girl who looks a lot like young Allison from Fun Home. Just oh, she does kind of look yeah. like Allison. She's wearing Benjadel. her little stripey sweater. <laughs> yeah. <and> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so you, so yeah, it's very stylized. It is very much your your kind of classic haunted haunted house book, I would say. Um, it's very sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's. It. I think. I think it's every bit as dark as every heart. Of, every heart of the Yeah. Um, yeah. So and is it, the author also the illustrator? Did you, did you that yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She did the drawings and the and the text. That's um, a lot and it's of very skills. spooky. Um, the not in in the past as well as in the present. Um, because yeah, the building is haunted or not necessarily haunted. The building is abandoned in the present in in the illustrated chapters. Um, I'm about to expose myself as like a. <laughs> and having a really bad reading habit, a I back always. Looker. I'm no. a backlooker. I absolutely <laughs> am. It's oh. yeah. It's uh, I don't know that you would get a ton out of reading the just the end of that book. To be honest, <laughs> it's very much a build. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, and I'm just thinking about this now, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of how, in terms yeah. of how, how it's put together, the 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 illustrated bits have have no. Uh, comic book style dialogue. It's no, all, none. You know, it's just full page the, pictures. Right, full page pictures. Which is um, such a cool you, device. You have to make a lot of, you have to extrapolate a lot mm-hmm. about what's going on. Um, I, I've always felt like I never would have read uh, some of, reading comic books is where I, is where I started. So I, I have no, I have no, no, no bones about, uh, about, 
comic art in the in, in literature. I think it I, th- I think it's fantastic. Yeah, stuff, you know what I mean. I do I do too. I think that it might be a nice um, kind of stepping stone for some people who maybe don't think that they do enjoy um, graphic novels. Right. Um, that's a, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I know that a lot of like I know you you read comics a lot more consistently than I do. Um, because one of the issues that I have is that I'm very particular about, like, the art mm-hmm. in comic books. And so if, like, one of the... I, I love Neil Gaiman. I love his, uh-huh. his writing, and I especially love his short stories. But, like, he has his Sandman series, and I was never able to get into that. Even very old-timey comic 80s art. It is. Oh, man. It's it so, gets better. It's, it's hard to follow for me. Like, it's hard to, like, like follow the direction of the art, which I think is also, like, a stylistic choice. It but is. I was just like... Mm, well, it's very much a product of the time that it was written in. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, as Sandman... Pro- I, so much. I've reread that series one million times. Um, but as as the series progresses, he he gets different. I mean, he has different illustrators throughout the series. Yeah, right. um, and the the art that you read in the Wake and the Kindly Ones books nine and ten in the series are very different from Preludes and Nocturnes, the beginning book mm-hmm. in the series, um, because it took a really long time to write Sandman. So the art kind of evolves over the course of of the series. Um, and, and that came out from DC, um, or, it did. or one of its subsidiaries? It's Vertigo, Vertigo. which is the Vertigo. adult so line it, yeah, of DC. Yeah, that was, that was not a... That, that was very strange for its time. It, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. It's for, groundbreaking. For a story like that to come out Absolutely. From, from DC, from one of the majors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. There were a number of, uh, of, of comics that were like that. There was one... Uh, I'm going to... Uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a comic that came out from Piranha Press called Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children. <laughs> I love and that. And if you ever get a chance to, to find some beautiful stories, if, if, if you're ever in... I don't. I'm imagining in, uh, us now in in a, in a curio shop written by Stephen King, <laughs> and you happen across a few uh, a few old old copies of Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children. Yeah. Um, it sounds like the sort of book you'd be wandering around, and it would just like fall like never-ending story style. Just like you oh, got, really? oh, it was so fantastic, and every every uh, issue was a different story altogether. So it was very. It had a Twilight Zone esque. I mean, it was uh, it was all episodic. It was, yeah, but it was always the same author and the same artist, and the art style that that I can't remember the the, the artist's name now used it would it would vary pretty wildly mm. from one from one I- issue to another. Yeah, if we're so. talking about YA and graphic novels, I have to also throw a shout out to my girl Noelle Stevenson mm. and Nimona's wonderful. Nimona's so good. Yeah. Um, she's and if you're interested in Noelle Stevenson's art style, Nimona is her great standalone comic. I read it as a web comic, <laughs> episodically right, like, as it was oh, coming out. Yes. It's delightful. I used to follow her on Tumblr um, mm-hmm. to bring it back to Tumblr. Um, but she also uh, is the showrunner for Shira, mm-hmm. um, Princesses of Power on Netflix. Is so, that right? Yes, yep. she she's the showrunner for that show. She's also about to get married. Yeah, hooray so, for Noelle Stevenson. Yeah, Noelle. She's great. Um, another, um, if we want to talk more about spooky graphic novels in the YA section. Um, I I feel like I've talked about Emily Carroll before um, on this podcast. Um, she's another web comic artist. Um, she does have a compilation graphic novel called Through the Woods um, that is Sheldon Teen. I know I've talked about her before because I love her so much. Um, and she writes very, very scary horror comics. Um, and they are fun. I do recommend reading it in print as well. Um, but if you read them on her website, on the internet, she um, occasionally will intersperse them with GIFs um, that are terrifying um, oh. oh so like just like you're reading along and, and then something, something starts move. moving oh I yes love that. um and a lot of her stuff is done in in click-through format so it'll be a page and then you have to click and it brings up another page and you click and it brings up another page so it's very jarring when one of them moves <laughs> you're just like um, afraid, you're like oh, it's a whole experience when you read them in webcomic form so through the woods um it has one of her favorite or, or her most famous uh kind of like viral webcomics that she did called his face all red um, it's terrifying. It's a very good, like, spooky Halloween read if you're if you're in the market for uh, some horror graphic novel YA reads. <laughs> That's a really good one. All right. Yeah. I'm going to check it on the internet. You should. You should. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's really scary. Don't do it with the lights off because it's very <laughs> scary. Um, that's how I used to read them on my the laptop in, like, my uh, dorm room and the lights off. It. It's too, too scary. <laughs> it's really good, though. But anyway, back to Thornhill. Um, I do think that... The art in that is so atmospheric um, and so great. It, uh, even though nothing really scary happens in the art portions of the book, like the illustrated portions aren't the scary ones, even though they're like the black and white atmospheric artwork. Um, all of, like I feel like all of the horror and all of the 
the pathos really come from the the chapters um, written out in the past in the diary entries of this poor girl's like experience with bullying. She's experiencing all of this uncertainty about what's going to happen to her, right. and she thinks that nobody likes her, nobody loves her. Um, and it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, I, I do think that the subject matter is very much more YA. Um, I think that it's much more suited to older readers, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Ella, Ella is the character who moves in next door um, to the orphanage. Um, and it's really, she experiences kind of similar, similar feelings of loneliness. Um, you kind of have to expre- extrapolate that yourself. Right. And um, that's, and that's another thing. That's, that's another reason but that like, I, I feel like it, the, the art does such a good job of like mm-hmm. communicating that because it does. in the first couple of pages, like there's just all of this space and then this like little figure all, uh, you know, always. Yeah. You get in, the sense that her parents aren't around and, and right. yeah, she's very isolated. She's always like looking at pictures of her parents, checking clocks. Right. Yeah. You have to pay close attention. It's, it's nice. It, it, it's a, it's Hill's good. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. I would definitely. I, I I've recommended it many times since I read it. Um, I, I usually do kind of. Does give this author have more? Do we know Pam? Pam Smy. Um, I feel like she does, but I, that is the only title by her that I have read. Um, I think that it's a fun book to recommend to people because you do kind of get the best of both worlds. There's there's pictures. There's text. Um, it is kind of similar. You mentioned to the Cabinet of Hugo Cabret. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of kind of similar in that it way. It also reminds me of um, the book that you showed me. That my favorite thing is Monsters. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think we're still waiting on book two of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we've only got the first one. I, it was yeah. supposed to come out earlier this year. Can't rush. She does have a few more books. She's doing it in pen. Takes a while. Right. Thorn right. Hill's her most recent one. Um, so yeah, what else would we like to talk about? Does anyone, what, what else did you guys read for YA month? Um, I read, um, not specifically for YA month, but just because again, I am a huge <laughs> YA reader, totally fine. but this is the one that like really stuck out to me. I read it a couple of months ago and it's called, um, Saw Kill Girls. It's by Claire LaGrange. Mm. Um, it was recommended to me by the lovely Becca and she, um, sent it to me uh, as a list of upcoming publications that fe- featured, um, queer women protagonists and um, it's really really great the concept itself is a little Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that you have this group of girls who have been chosen um, and given these powers and they are you know um, figuring that out and what that means Um, and there's this sort of a group of men who are this knows know what more what about what's going on than they do and sort of are you sort of using them for their own means um but one of the things i think it does a really great job of that um if you're a buffy fan maybe you like me were sort of frustrated with the way things were handled occasionally um is that these girls have a moment where they go from being chosen to choosing and so they're not just like tools they don't just get used by these you know authority male figures they say the way you're doing things is wrong we're not going to do it your way and escape from that and then say you know we could step away because we've been given no choice in this matter but we're here and we have the ability so we're going to do it and I love when when stories that have that moment of changing from something being just sort of a, a destiny or a thing that you've been assigned to do to saying to having a chance to walk away and then owning it and saying, I'm going to do this because I choose to do it. Mm. Um, and again, it's a great example of YA having a bunch of representation. Um, so you have this very dark tone sort of, um, I say New England Gothic having never been to New England. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. But you have like this... Well, you know the literary <laughs> reference, so that's exactly. that's, that's totally um, uh, But it's acceptable. very. it read to me as this very like New England, um, isolated, seaside town, and um, the sort of like spookiness that and comes with that. And there's this monster, this creature, this force, entity, that is taking girls all the way back through history. And you have one of the main characters who is... Um, a girl who is tied to the monster through her family um, and has, you know, of course they're tied and they're helping provide these girls as power, as sacrifices, and in exchange they've been granted beauty and privilege and power and wealth and all this other stuff. Um, You have one of the other main characters who is the sister of the most recent victim of the entity, 
Um, and then you have the other character whose friend was a previous victim um, and whose father is the sheriff of the town who's, um, you know, investigating, but it's kind of this thing that gets swept under the rug and it's like the girls disappear, but nobody talks about it. Um, and among those three cast of characters, two of the characters fall in love. So you have a lovely uh, uh, female romance that I love to see, of course. And then um, the other character is asexual, um, but also has a very sweet relationship with her um, best guy friend who's sort of their straight man research guy role. <laughs> and it's just, it's really delightful. They've got these powers. There's all these incredible relationships between the girls, and the tone of it is very dark, very lush and, and lyrical, and I loved it a lot. Really, really enjoyed reading it. Nice. Anytime somebody says something similar to Buffy, I'm just like, <laughs> right. all right, great. Like, that sounds awesome. And it didn't occur to me until I was, like, thinking about the book later and trying to, and I was like, you know what? A lot of this is very Buffy, isn't it? It's, it's, I was like, that it's, explains. It's like Buffy, and I don't have to listen to Xander complain. That sounds amazing. <laughs> See, the, the, like, the guy character is, is kind of like the Xander character, but done well. Oh, thank God. <laughs> he's he's adorable. He stress cleans and bakes. And, oh, man, he's so cute. So, he's he's the one who's like, guys, all of this is crazy, and I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Sanders. Sanders a lot. Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. He's not, he's not the best. <laughs> they, they tried. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a product of its time. It is, it's, absolutely. It's very much like Sandman and the artwork. It's just like, it's the best we got. Yeah, it see, was I feel like 90s. <laughs> this is very much sort of like for the people who were huge fans of mm -hmm. Buffy when it was around, and this is kind of like a very similar story, but with a little bit of an updated sure. take and understanding. Yeah, and that's so. That's what's so great about why, like you were saying, there's so much out there. Mm -hmm. There's so, just so much content you can have in every type of genre you could ever possibly want. Um, and there's so much of it that's just like, if you don't like that, find this other thing. Yeah, um, there's there's something out there for absolutely everyone. Um, it's it's amazing, and it's like the best time on the planet for YA right now. Like, there's so much good stuff. Yeah. Um, you can really afford to be cheesy Absolutely. and read what you want. So if you're going to pitch some high fantasy YA. High fantasy YA. If you YA. were going to. If I were going to. Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I don't... I mean, if we're talking, mm. like, high fantasy, and yeah. again, this is one that sort of straddles that line, um, but I know that, I, again, we talked about this, too, right before the podcast started, but... The 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 Perdane Chronicles by Lloyd right. Alexander. I think it's it's grounded in um, a lot of Welsh mythology and mm -hmm. has a lot of those high fantasy elements of um, knights and quests and um, witches and seers and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it is again a, a book that was published many many years ago. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Very in I don't remember what year. I, I had to know this. It's for for school at one point. I think it was like sixty seven, sixty nine. Right. This goes back to. Well, my days. Right, I read right. Lloyd Alexander. Like, this was a dated book when I read it, and right. I absolutely loved it. And um, it's a really great series. It's another one that sort of, like, grows with its audience. Um, there's five books in the series. They're all excellent. Um, and I reread the last book, at, which is the one that won the Newbery. It's called The High King. I reread it about every other year, and I love it every time. You know what's funny as we're talking about this is I'm realizing that one of my... One of the... There was a, a series of books written back in the 1950s, and it's, which is so long ago that I, I, that I hesitate to, to put it in YA because there, there was no YA back <laughs> yeah. then necessarily, but there was a... Retroactive. Right, right. There was a series of books by an author named Edward Eager, and the, the first of which was the most famous. It was called Half Magic. Ah, uh, okay. I am, familiar. Yeah, and I'm 100% I'm sure that Half Magic w is what set me on is one of the four, if you had to boil it down to four or five things that set me onto a life reading and being interested in fiction. Yeah. It was, Half Magic was was, uh, was one of them, and very early on. Uh, the premise is that you have a, a bored group of, of, of uh, kids over a summer. Uh, the summer, it, it, they're starting to get into the, into the point of summer where, where it's not all that interesting anymore. And uh, the brothers and sisters, and one of them finds a uh, a coin in the street, and uh, it it's n not a U.S. coin. It's so it's interesting. So she puts it in her pocket, brings it home, and the, the thing about the the coin is that it, it grants wishes, but it only grants half of the wish. Ooh. Oh, jeez. Right, <laughs> and 
the whole the whole story is all about them figuring out that that's what the that the coin is doing this and that that's what it's doing. Uh, yeah, because so, I'm assuming it didn't come with an instruction manual. Exactly, let right, them know that. Right. right. <laughs> that's oh, geez, trial and error of figuring yeah, that out you got sounds. It. So huh. a little bit of a, a monkey's paw. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get a chance, if you, if you get a chance to check out Half Magic, Half Magic. that's a, it's 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 funny now because I'm sure it's very dated, but now that I think about it, that's I think that it one of the been... things like when it comes to because like I'm recommending a dated thing, you're recommending a, a more dated thing, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of ties into with the way contemporary YA is now. It's quite often a blending of things. So when you're looking for like specifically like recommending a high fantasy um there's so many YA books that have fantasy elements mm. and even yeah. high fantasy elements yeah. but it's it's a little rarer to find something that you can say oh yes this is that one thing because yeah. it's a blending of a lot of different things yeah yeah it really is um so many YA books are like eight genres together <laughs> I did however just think of the Patricia C. Reed Enchanted Forest series and I'm gonna add that to the mm-hmm. list after I've said that yeah I think Children of Blood and Bone is one that mm-hmm. is yeah that's that's for sure um another really anything really by good. Tamara Pierce she's really Tamara Pierce is, oh my gosh she's fun Trickster's Choice and Trickster's Queen my ultimate, ultimate Tamara Pearson duology. I was, I was very much into the, the Lioness Quartet and the Wild Magic yes yes she's lovely Love her stuff. Anything by Libba Bray, too. Um, the Diviner yeah. series, A Great and Terrible Beauty, was A Great and Terrible Beauty I read when I was about, like when it came out, I think I was 16 years old when A Great and Terrible Beauty, the first book in her in her Libba, or in her her or Gemma Doyle trilogy came out. Oh my gosh. She was one of the first uh, authors I remember, too, like reading that as, as a teenager that mm-hmm. had a, um, a, a lesbian, bisexual, whatever you're Yes, character in in one of her books. Yeah, Libba Bray is great at that. Um, her father was actually gay, um, and so I think that she she really likes to likes to have representation um, in her books because most of Libba Bray's books do do oh have gosh, that. LG- yeah, Beauty Queen's great. Um, she really she really does include a lot of LGBT uh, inclusiveness in her books, um, which I really appreciate from her. And yeah, um, I think that that was like. That was like the big reveal of yeah, a great and terrible like, movie. Was, like, oh my very, gosh, it was kind of like gay. in the background. It yes. wasn't like it wasn't explicit, it's and then subtle. it was like the, there's that subtle reveal, and mm-hmm. I was just, I at the time I didn't know why I was so excited, <laughs> but later looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, well, it's uh, a big moment in that book. Yeah. It's it's a great and terrible beauty. Um, you can honestly read it standalone. It is a trilogy, um, but it's wonderful. She's actually writing a fourth book in the series. She, really? she posted it on Instagram Ooh. not that long ago, and I got very excited. Really excited. Um, so yeah, I don't know what it'll, what it'll be with no Cardic, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm optimistic. Ooh, Holly Black's another really good if you're looking oh for more of a gosh. traditional fantasy. Cause she writes, her fantasy is always very dark. It is. Um, but it's, it, I, to me, it reads as high fantasy, mm-hmm. um, in that a lot of her, um, books deal with, um, the, the fae world. I know she collaborated yeah. with the Spiderwick Chronicles yes. as well. And it's, I always really like when books that deal with fae creatures and fairies and things like that bother to put in the effort of world building and yes. sort of play with the darker side her, of those yeah. myths and, and stories. Her, her Tithe trilogy, oh, the, the one that starts with... amazing. Tithe is amazing. The, the first book in the series is called Tithe and there's Ironside. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, she does an amazing job world building. It's very much about like dark fairies and Queen Titania and like the dark fairy court, the unsea lie versus the mm-hmm. sea lie court. Wonderful. Really, really good series good there. Book. I love Tithe. And I think I've, uh, we've talked about this previously. She also has a, a collection of short stories called The Poison Eaters. Very good. Holly Black's wonderful. So good. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> All right. I want to throw out a couple more. Um, uh, so we were talking about graphic novels before. I read one over the summer. It's called Taproot um, by Kesey Young. It is, it's a standalone graphic novel. And I picked it up uh, based on the cover. I saw the cover and I was like, this is pretty, um, which... I do all the time, um, and it's oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's it's just a standalone graphic novel. It's a it's a romance, and it's about Blue, who is a ghost, um, and he is having trouble moving on 
to like passing on to the afterlife. And he just spends his days hanging out with um, his best friend Hamal, who works in a plant stop- shop, and he's also in love with Hamal. Um, oh, and it's really, so it's really sweet. Um, if you're looking for something that has um, queer protagonist, it's not, it's about a ghost, but it's not really like spooky necessarily. Um, but it's it's very sweet. It's just like a sweet little. In my, I don't know what he actually looks like, but in my head, he's literally just like a sheet, like Charlie Brown style, oh. little feet. <laughs> he's not. He's just he's just himself, but like uh. he he is actually like like transparent, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's very very sweet. Um, Taproot. Is the name of it? Um, it is. It's yeah. It's a teen graphic novel, and it's really wonderful. It's just a short little standalone, sweet romance graphic novel. It's very nice. Um, and then another one of my favorites. I've been, I've included this on my list because I love A. S. King. Um, she writes generally like literary more. Like she doesn't. This book in particular has magic realism in it. Um, but she has a new one that just recently came out, Dig, that I have not read yet, but I read Still Life with Tornado whenever it came out um, by A.S. King, and it absolutely blew me away. It's so, so wonderful. It is about um, a girl named Sarah who is in high school. She's a gifted artist, and she hasn't been able to draw recently, Um, and she spends her days just skipping school um, and not going to school, and as she just wanders around her city, she keeps encountering herself. So she runs into 10-year-old Sarah and 23-year-old Sarah and 40-year-old Sarah, and they just, like, keep finding her around the city um, and just, like, giving her advice and, like, talking to her. And 40-year-old Sarah is really concerned about her, and she really wants her to, like, start talking to her parents because she's going through some stuff, and she's trying to, like, coming coming to terms with past trauma. Um, and I think that it's it's really, really beautifully done. I know it sounds kind of like, okay, like... I like that. I, I, I love the idea of four-year-old me yes. showing up, and I just be like... It's really great. The, the In the book flap of the book, it describes each of them. It's like sunburned 10-year-old Sarah who just got back from a vacation. And then there's 40-year-old Sarah who makes a mean salsa and really wants Sarah to talk to her teacher about something. It's like the descriptions of herself. It's it's like it's really wonderful. Um, it's it's a very high concept. Um, like But like I said, it is grounded in reality, um, even though there are the kind of magical realism elements. Um and it, she kind of leaves it up to you for for to a point um, to decide whether or not this is really happening um, or if it is in to Sarah's head. Throw out another recommendation, yes. like running, because I know we've done a lot of fantasy. To like you just I know I'm someone a, a little more realistic. Um, so realistic if one. you're uh, if you're a ho- historical fiction fan, um, one of my favorite YA uh, recommendations is um, Codename Verity mm. by Elizabeth Wein. Wein, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it is um, a story that is set during. World War II, and it is told through the um, lens of two different protagonists, um, best friends, two female characters, and one of them is a um, code writer, code breaker, who has been, who you fi- uh, meet when she is in captivity by um, the Gestapo, and the, her questioning process, and the um, it's written in epistolary form. The idea is that she's been given paper to give all of the codes that she can remember um, in exchange for her continued survival. And she's using it also as an a, just an um, opportunity to write about her life and about her best friend, who is the female pilot who dropped her into. The, the space where she was captured and who she thinks um, the plane went down and her friend is now dead. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the book is written through the best friend's um, point of view. And I don't want to spoil this one um, because there is something that happens <laughs> in the book um, toward the end that I did not see coming. And I had to literally put the book down <laughs> and just like walk. I had to take a yeah. walk. Like for that's me, fantastic. that's like the hugest compliment is if your book makes me like take a break and just start like walking in circles around my apartment. That's, yeah. that's it really got to that's me. That's when you know it's good. Yeah. When you have to put the book down and just be like, all right, okay, I need a break. <laughs> we'll come back to this in a moment. <laughs> a couple more uh, really fun. Uh, more grounded in reality books. Um, I recently, within the past couple of years, I discovered uh, Nicole Yoon, 
um, who writes really wonderful romance, um, Everything, she, Everything, yeah. which has which was made into a movie starring Amanda Stenberg from The Hunger Games. She played Rue in Hunger Games, um, and also and her second one, which I loved, 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 loved it. Um, the Sun is also a star, which I believe is also being uh, adapted into a movie. Um, that's okay. I always get that one mixed up with. Okay, so yeah, that that one is the one that's being made into a movie by yes. the two people who meet. Correct. Yes. There's a there's another uh, YA book that is also very good called I'll Give You the Sun. Yes. Which I enjoyed a whole lot, but very different story. Very different, <laughs> yeah. The Sun is also a star. is about um, two young people who just kind of have a chance meeting um, in the city. They're each about to go like on very different journeys. Like One of them is going to be traveling to Jamaica with her family, and the other one is going to college. And they are very much not in a position to meet somebody that they may have a future with, and it's just kind of about them like colliding and kind of interacting on this day. Um, and just like the chances of probability and meeting someone, and it's it's just really it's a sweet little book. You know, it's funny. Something you just said made me realize mm. uh, the Hunger Games right there. I mean, if you look at how many how many movie series have come out in the last fifteen years yeah. that were all based that were based on YA novels. Well, we have, there are so many that are being There's optioned twi- right now because I know when we were like talking about setting this yeah. up, I was like, "Well, this one's getting a series. Yeah. And this right. one's getting a series." Right. I mean, the notion of YA being somehow uh, I think it's a lot of, out of times outside it's considered literature light. Right. Right. But clearly, it's something that, that it, clearly these are stories that people are drawn to. Oh, if, sure. if 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 they can make all these millions of dollars in the Thirteen the Reasons Why by Jay Asher right. and To All the Boys I Loved Before by Jenny Han. Those are both really popular and they're huge series on Netflix. Yep. Or To All the Boys I Loved Before was just a movie. But I'm real stoked about the uh, the series that's that they're in production of, um, which is Lee Bardugo's uh, combined Grisha trilogy and Six of Crows duology. Mm. Um, I have not read the Grisha trilogy actually, but I absolutely loved Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, so I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, there's a lot. Out there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot. Another realistic author who I who I really enjoy is Marcus Zusak. Oh my gosh, the book He's, thief! Oh, the <laughs> book thief is incredible. My favorite of his is actually I Am the Messenger. Yeah, I, I haven't read that. I read so the book Thief good. and it almost killed me. And I he, truly almost died after I read that book. I, it's it's just <laughs> devastating. He has <laughs> such a unique voice that I enjoy so much. I haven't watched the movie adaption of the book Thief. It was pretty good. It was good. Okay, it was yeah. pretty good. I, I honestly, I it came out not that long after I read the book and I was like, I don't, honestly don't know if I can do it. So I don't know <laughs> if I can watch that movie. They did a good job with it, but it, so much of that story is in the telling of it to me and yeah. the way that he does things and the device of, of death speaking um yeah have you have you are you familiar I, with the no, narration it's narrated oh, by so death oh. death narrates the book and it's set during the holocaust so let me just give you oh, that gosh. Ooh, it's brutal oh my gosh but it's so good it's this, yeah she's, it's oh. yeah it's really it's really, really good, really good. Um, <laughs> i am the messenger's another one of his and he also has a more recent one called feet of clay that i have not read yet but i'm really excited too because i know wonderful. it's gonna be good yeah he's a, he's a wonderful wonderful author i like i said i read the book even it almost almost re- wrecked me um so i had it did wreck me i was yeah. literally sitting in my like living room just like reading, just crying my eyes out which my yeah. mom was used to so it was fine yeah <laughs> i i remember lynn coming home from work at one point and he was just like are you okay <laughs> i was like no i'm not so upsetting. Sad. Yeah, it's really, really good though. I, that's that's a weird recommendation. It's like you'll cry your eyes out, but you should definitely it's read the book. It's very much the same with the code name Barry that I wrecked. You yeah. will cry. Yeah, and you good. Will. Sometimes that's just what you need in a book. You just need need a real real sad book. It's <laughs> ruining day. <laughs> All right. On that note, do we have anything else that we would like to promote? Anything, any other any other wrecks? I feel like we did a pretty we right. we really stayed in the fantasy kind of realm, but I think mm-hmm. that we got some good some good range there. So I, mostly, what I read in in YA is ro- romance and fantasy. And a lot of fantasy, yeah. yeah, or at least things that have fantastical elements. I love a good fairy tale retelling. I can't believe we didn't even talk about John Green. Didn't right, even mention right. him. I'm gonna admit something. I've never read a John Green book. Oh, you should. I am very aware of like him and yeah. his presence. Like, because I mean, the like nerd fighter thing. Was sure. At its peak, nerd fighteria. Yeah, when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> Love his his YouTube videos are fun. He yeah. still makes them. Him and Hank still yeah. out there just well, and pumping Hank's out just the YouTube videos. One. Yes. Although that one I, is that a teen or it's adult? adult technically, yeah. it's shelved an adult. I haven't read one of those it. Kind um, of so yeah, um, but John Green's most recent book, Turtles All the Way Down, is his his best. It's really 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 good that's um, one thing I've heard is that he's gotten consistently like that yes although I, w- I do have to say looking for Alaska's is first and it's 
it's great. Looking for Alaska is a wonderful book, and it's about to be made into a Hulu series. Oh. So, I'm excited for that. His his books so far have only been uh, film adaptions. Um, and I think it, with those, I think a lot of it was because of, like, the saturation of, yeah. of the, the brothers and the, the, the nerd criteria and, and the books when they started coming out. I already knew, like, I, I know what happens in all of his books yeah. because they were so ubiquitous. They are, yeah. That I was like, eh, I don't really need to read it, but I should. Looking for Alaska is wonderful. It's a really, really good book. Um, and like I said, it's his first one, and it's it's great. Um, but Turtles All the Way Down is the most recent one. Um, it is a mystery um, and the the lead protagonist does have um, OCD. She's obsessive compulsive disorder. She's, she's kind of got some stuff going on, which John Green has said that he's he struggles with issues similar to that. Um, and so he really really nails the character. I mean, it's it's a very realistic portrayal of somebody suffering through through things like that. Um, and she's she's wonderful. It's a it's a great book. Um, highly recommend Turtles All the Way Down. It's great. Uh, that reminded me of, um, like, this is another fantasy rec that I'm about to give, but um, We Also Live Here by Patrick Ness. Mm, when yeah. you talked about the character having OCD, there's an OCD character in that as well. And yeah. It's handled with a, a lot of grace and a lot of respect. Um, and it's just a really fun concept of, I, I like the playing on tropes that are common, and this is sort of a subversion of the chosen one trope, because mm-hmm. the idea is that there are these kids, and there's all of these chosen kids and then there's everybody else. Mm. And you're reading about everybody else. And the chapters of the book are about the chapters of this other book that's happening somewhere else mm. with the chosen kids. Oh, interesting. And then here's what the other kids are doing. Interesting. And it's really fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. What's, the, what's the title again? The Rest of Us Live Here. And he's... Patrick Ness The Rest is of the Us the Also Live Here, I think. <laughs> Patrick Ness is the one... He wrote um, a, a Monster Calls. Is that correct? Yeah. That, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a really good one. He's another one that's got a, a, a movie that's coming out based on his sort of dystopian uh, series. Uh, I can't remember the name of the series itself, but um, The Ask and the Answer. Nope. Chaos Walking. Chaos Walking. Oh, yeah. That's right. Brian fervently taking notes. Right. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think we've, we've given plenty of recommendations I've, I've, I've for you. Work. That one I'm expecting is going to like uh, do very well when yeah. it comes out as a movie because it's got a very star-studded cast. All right. It's Tom Holland. Oh. Daisy Ridley. Um, wow, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen is in it. That's expensive. Wow. That's an expensive movie, right. putting Tom it's, Holland it's, and Daisy Ridley in the same right. thing. That's a lot. Spider-Man and Ray. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a talking dog, so. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, this will wrap up our YA uh, episode of Checked Out. Uh, what would we be doing next month? What's next on the Northside Reads October. list? October. Is it horror? Are we doing horror? going to be horror. Nice. You got Thematically it. appropriate. I feel like we covered the YA horror portion. Um, <laughs> right, so right. I will so be we'll doing roll, a little bit more we'll of that. We'll roll right into horror horror. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I, will right. be, I will be hanging out in YA horror as that is my <laughs> project of ours. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me, Brie and Brian. And thank you. Hopefully we'll get to see you all again next time. Yeah. Thanks so much.